Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Concho Sports Show. I'm Shay Harris coming to you from Concho Sports Network headquarters in San Angelo, the birthplace of Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Greg Maddox. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Vince Salazar. How you doing, man? Shay, great to be back again, man. You know, it's been another uh, good week, kind of long a little bit, just, you know, more, more or less, not really a whole lot to do, but, you know, happy to be back with us here. All right, and before we get started real quick, I just wanted to thank Wingstop on, Knicker, Wingstop on Knickerbocker Road in San Angelo for being our sponsor of the show. Uh, you can order some wings for pickup or delivery, 325-227-6777, wingstop.com, or on the Wingstop app. Also want to invite you to follow us on social media at Concho Sports. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. It would help us out, and it will let you be up to date on all of our new content and videos and shows just like this one. All right, and now it's time to lead things off with Vince. All right, what do you have for us this week? All right, man. Well, you know, this week, uh, just a few things kind of going on a little bit. Uh, We had some NBA teams finally open their practice facilities back up. Some teams are still uh, not fully in swing with it yet due due to the coronavirus. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of goes on. We're still unaware of when that season's going to come back up. Uh, a few weeks to go before we have NASCAR finally try to get going again. I believe we also will have the uh, smaller stock cars getting ready to go. They're going to try to give it a shot actually over in, here in Texas for their first uh, run. So they'll be kind of interesting to see. We currently actually have Korean baseball going on. They've kind of been uh, fun to watch right now since we still currently are waiting to see when the major leagues here in the States will get going. Uh, one of the interesting stories I kind of saw come out earlier, though, uh, this week has kind of been rumored out of the Minnesota area, was that if, uh, depending on the NCAA's decision, they stated that if campuses do not open up, do not expect fall sports to be back. Uh, with that, there's a threat that some of the Power Five conferences might try to drop out of the NCAA and form their own type of uh, organization. And boy, would that be a major uh, shift in college sports uh, from the overall, if that does occur. But right now, still just kind of rumors uh, going on. But boy, I had not expected a story like that. Also had some big news out of uh, Wall, Texas. Uh, Tate Williams will be continuing his career over here in the, the Central Texas area at Waco as he's committed uh, from going from the green and white to the green and gold and becoming a Baylor Bear. Uh, so definitely a big pickup for Baylor University, picking up a fantastic wall hawk uh, to add. But, you know, that's kind of been uh, our story this week. So hopefully we'll have some more good stuff coming up as the week continues on here. Yeah, um, that's quite a bit of big news, especially with the college football stuff. Uh be interesting to see if anything actually comes of that. Uh, that would definitely have some huge ramifications for college sports, college football. Um, and one more little piece of news just came out uh, in high school football. The El Dorado Eagles found their new head coach, and John Long, who comes from Waco Mid- Midway, where he was the offensive line coach. And before that, he was actually the offensive line coach at San Angelo Central under Brent Davis. So he's coming back to the Contro Valley. And, I mean, it's he's a really good coach, a good hire, really, really a, a great decision by El Dorado to, to get him to lead the program. Yeah, big pickup, of course, coaching with Central and Midway, both 6A schools. So definitely it's going to be a big advantage for El Dorado. So it should be fun to see, uh, depending on what kind of happens going on into the fall. All right, man, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. 
He is a sports writer for the San Angelo Standard Times. He's the beat writer for – he. I mean, he keeps really busy. He's the beat writer for the Central Bobcats, uh, Lakeview Chiefs, and Angelo State Rams. Our friend, Mr. Charles Bryce. Welcome to the show. Hey, Charles, guys. How you appreciate doing? you all having me on here. Yeah, happy to have you Great on, to man. to have you. So first off, just want to ask you, you know, how are you and your family doing with the pandemic and all the social distancing stuff? And how has everything changed, you know, with trying to work uh, with all this going on? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, like with a lot of folks, it's uh, it's tough not to kind of be on each other's toes, so to speak. Uh, you know, my wife and I both are working here from home and uh, like a lot of a lot of folks out there. And, uh, so, you know, there's been some times when, you know, we we probably got on each other's nerves, but but it hasn't been that bad. You know, we've we've uh, we've learned to adjust pretty well, um, you know, and uh, uh, one thing that's kind of really helped uh you know, keep our mind off things during these crazy times. We have a little puppy that we got back around Christmas, and uh, she's uh, six months old now. And uh, so, uh, um, you know, she uh, she she keeps us busy. We don't have any young ones around here, but uh, except for her, but uh, and our and our other dog, uh, he's about twelve years old, about eleven times her size. But they really love each other, and so it's been great to have her here. Um, you know, but uh, during this deal, it really does has, uh, you know, make it really makes you appreciate things that you, you take for granted that, you know, we as Americans uh, often do that, you know, we've, you know, seems like we've we've had things. A lot of us, uh, you know, have had things pretty easy compared to other parts of the world. But uh, uh, obviously, this is a global pandemic. And uh, so we, we've learned to appreciate uh, things that we, like I said, in the past uh, often took for granted. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned your, your dogs. Cause I remember seeing just a couple of days ago, I think you posted on Facebook and Twitter, a little video of both of your dogs. I think you said they're Bella and Barney. And, uh, I guess the, the little one is the, the new puppy you have. Yes, that's Bella. She's, uh, <laughs> she's something else. Uh, <laughs> you know, keeps us busy. She's not potty trained yet. So, uh, you know, we're going through a lot of paper towels. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness we can get something out oh, yeah. there now. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, I think all three of us are, are dog people. Vince, I know I've seen you post uh, dachshund videos and things oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely a dog person. Mm-hmm. And I have a beagle named Sherlock Bones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doggy detective. He's always out on the hunt trying to find stuff with his nose. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And actually, real quick, I wanted to congratulate you. Um, we've got a picture here uh, of a you won honorable mention status for the Texas Associated Press Managing Editors Awards for sports photography. It was a really good picture here at an ASU game of uh, what player was that? That's Lloyd Bam, uh, Bam Howard. Bam, right Bam Howard. There. Yeah. Uh, he didn't score on that on that, but he almost did. He came within inches yeah. of scoring. But uh, yeah, um, that was a pleasant surprise. The first time I've ever entered uh, a photo in that contest. So it was it was really a nice honor, and uh, I really have been enjoying the photographic end of things uh, these last three years. Really, probably since we uh, our staff is so much smaller now, we only have one official photographer. So uh, Amy McDaniel and myself, we take uh, a ton of uh, sports photos uh, to help out. And uh, uh, so it, it's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that must be pretty cool because that's, you know, that's not your really your, your forte, what you've always done. But now as the staff has gotten smaller, you know, you have to do some of that too, taking photos at the games that you're covering. Right, you got to reinvent yourself. Yeah. And they call us multimedia journalists. So we mm-hmm. do uh, video stuff. Amy's kind of the... She's the master of our video stuff, does some fabulous things. Uh, she's, she's won some awards uh, for that. And uh, um, myself, I really just love the still photos a whole lot, nothing against the video stuff, but I really uh, just enjoy, uh, you know, getting out and shooting the still photos for anything I can. Yeah, and actually I, I did see the list of award winners this year, and I think pretty much every year you guys at the Standard Times win several awards and there were several this year, you know, some from the one from you, uh, Amy and Paul, Paul Harris, the sports editor. Also, all, all three of you guys got to got to get recognized this year. Right. Yeah, we've been blessed. So it was uh, very nice of them to honor honor us with those awards. So. And of course, one of the big things I wanted to talk about uh, was all the all decade stuff that y'all have been putting out in the Standard Times over the last month or two. You know, all decade teams for Central, Lakeview, and the small schools, and the you know games of the decade ranking, ranking that kind of stuff, and team MVPs, things like that. So let's start with Central. Um, you know, you had the top ten games. You had the Central team of the decade for football, and the so talk about that. You know, what were the, some of the games that stood out for you? I know, obviously, you know, the Allen game is one that st- stands out for everybody and was ranked the, the top game of the decade. But what, what, what do you remember about that game and some of the other games that stand out for you? Oh, wow, the Central Allen game, that, that 2016 regional semifinal. I mean, both teams came in 12-0. and 0. Uh, Central was, was ranked uh, number six in the state. Um, you know, and uh, Allen was ranked number one at the time, number seven in the country. Um, I don't think there's ever been a bigger crowd at San Angelo Stadium. We never got an official head count, but, you know, uh, I think it officially holds 17,500, if I remember correctly. And there was, uh, it was standing room only. uh, And the guess is that there was probably over 20,000 people there. I mean, the lines were just ridiculous, you know uh up to the leading up to the ticket lines and uh um yeah it was an incredible game uh uh central uh really was was doing well and uh you know they lost 34 21 they were down uh 31 21 at the half i believe it was yes and uh um you know then their starting quarterback got a concussion right there before the half ended and uh, wasn't able to return, obviously. So that really uh, hurt their chances. Uh, in addition to uh, the rain, really started to come down hard. And he was a sophomore at the time, but that was really the coming out party for Maverick McIver. He had played uh, slot receiver all season. You know, had moved in from um, from from a six-man school, uh, Fort Davis, and. Uh, um, he was thrown into that was a very tough position for him to be thrown into uh, i thought he did well considering what he was up against and all but he hadn't had many reps at quarterback that season so it was a very difficult situation but uh a lot of people forget what uh in you know the game was a lot of people naturally will remember it for the catch you know the vincent to adam west uh six foot eight 
receiver for the Bobcats, you know, one-handed catch that, that uh, uh, you know, videos of it on Twitter just went, you know, we're all over the place, man. Went viral. And uh, um, that game, that, that score right there uh, really – showed uh alan that you know central was right there with them you know and then vincent got hurt like i said and uh it was it was tough uh you know for them the rest of the way but they did hold them to just a field goal in the second half it was an outstanding job by the central defense um by brock martin and Garrick scott uh in particular um so yeah that that's that's it's a game that anyone was at will never forget that one um some of the other ones uh you know, during that time, uh, over the last 10 years, um, uh, give me a second here, looking through my notes, Central and Perman in 2015, oh, yeah. um, the Bobcats, uh, they won a third straight district title with a 27-20 to 20 upset over, you know, number seven Perman at the time in the regular season finale. Um, so that was a, that was a, a, a big game. We had that one at number two, and the the third one we had was uh, Central Arlington Bowie, a bi-district playoff game in 2014. Um, the Bobcats uh, rallied from 21 points down in the fourth quarter uh, to win that one, 55-52. Um, so that, that was crazy. Um, definitely a memorable game. And uh, another, you know, one of the top ones was Central versus Amarillo High in week eight of 2011. Uh, the Bobcats uh, hit the road in that one, and uh, they trailed 27 to 14 in the third quarter before scoring twice, um, including a fake punt and a touchdown bomb from Logan Sawyer to Corey Lopez to pull off a uh, 20 to 8, 28 to 27 nail biter. Um, that's just the top four uh, right there, and. Uh, I'll let the readers kind of check out the, the other games and not to give too much away for the for the other ones in there if they haven't already read the story on that one. Yeah, for sure. Everybody should definitely check out all those articles because there's several of them now um, and they go into detail on all of these games and and all of these players for the um, the all decade teams. Um, and you mentioned, you know, one of the one the one that stands out to me, it's almost I almost want to put it number one just because it was such an incredible comeback and ending was that Arlington Bowie game in 2014 where they were down by I think they might have been down more than 21 points at one point. But I know they were down by 21 points at the end of each of the quarters, the first three quarters. And I just remember that was the most unlikely comeback I'd ever seen in person because, you know, you, you go to games or you watch a game on TV and you're like, okay, you know, you, you figure out all the ways that it's possible to come back, you know, you know, mathematically they can still come back and there's still time, but you never expect everything to fall into place that has to happen to actually happen. And that's the one game I remember going to in person where that actually happened. Everything came together. And then, you know, when they, when uh, Braden Hux ran the ball in to win it in double overtime, it was just kind of like, you know, people were looking at each other, you know, they couldn't believe that it all, all actually came together and it actually happened. So that's when, obviously, those other two games you mentioned, that Permian game and the Allen game were incredible games and I think probably deserved to be top two just because of, um, you know, all the, everything surrounding those games. But that that Bowie game is one that's always going to stick in my mind of the, the games that I've been to for Central. Right. Right. Uh, I wasn't at that game. I actually took over the Central Beat um, kind of midstream in 2015 uh -huh. when right. Martinez left uh, for a job in Corpus. 
So unfortunately, I didn't see that game or the 2011 game against uh, Perman. Um, if I if I'm remembering the year correctly, there, uh, like I was talking about a minute ago, but uh, yeah, I heard a lot about that that comeback though, and that just goes back to the old uh, saying, you know, it ain't over till it's over. So they really proved it that uh, in that 2014 game against Bowie, like you're talking about. Absolutely. So. Uh... Who are some of the players that you remember from the Central All-Decade team that stand out to you since, you, since you've, you know, been, been covering the last four or five years or so? Oh, you know, uh, they've been blessed with so many great quarterbacks in the, in the Brent Davis era, as everybody knows. Um, it was very difficult, uh, to be honest, to choose our MVP of the decade. Uh, we ended up going with Cal Vincent. Um, uh, he was our 2016. Uh, he was a co-MVP that year. Um, he had uh, 42 touchdowns, I believe, uh, passing touchdowns, I should say. I believe he ran for like eight more and uh, only had two or three interceptions all year. So he was just the model of, uh, you know, consistency that season. And he could he could burn you with his feet or with his arm. Um, of course, I talked about Adam West earlier. You know, they've had a lot of great uh, receivers over the years. Adam West, who's now, you know, at Harvard. Um, uh, some of the other ones, uh, you know, running back wise, they had a record, uh, in 2016, Davin Manning, who's now at, at Angela state, uh, was a record setting running back for central. And, you know, a lot of times they, they would have a great, uh, they'd have a great quarterback and a great receiving core, but they didn't always have, uh, a, a really strong running back in there, but, uh, Manning was, was uh was the best uh probably the best they've ever had there obviously was setting the kind of records that he did you know and uh oh man so many other great players you know uh defensively a guy like Garrick scott he was a four-year player at linebacker for him you know uh it's very difficult to uh to even make the varsity lineup as a freshman in the davis era but uh Garrick scott was was one of the one rare ones to do that and uh, he played on four straight district championship teams. Um, Brock Martin uh, from the 2016 team at, uh, at cornerback was a was a great player. Um, you know, uh, getting back to the receiving core, um, of course. Uh, 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 only for names right now. Uh, this past season, you know, they they had uh, Tanner Dabbert, who's gonna you know be really hard. To, uh, replace with what he did you know um, and uh, uh, give me a second here uh, some of the other ones uh, hang on a second guys uh, Henry Teeter at, at receiver was a great one for him uh, he was also on that 2016 team um, you know, uh, those are just a few off the top of my head. And they've had uh, quarterback-wise, in addition to, uh, of course, Maverick McIver, we know what he did before he got hurt as a senior. Uh, you know, it's just too bad that we weren't able to see what he could do his senior year after coming off an, an incredible junior season. If he would have stayed healthy, he would have likely broken pretty much all the records at Central. But as we know, he got hurt, and I think the second game of the season out there at Del Rio – and that's when Malachi Brown, you know, the current starter, uh, took over as a uh, tenderfoot sophomore. And uh, but other great quarterbacks uh, during this, uh, you know, recently Brennan Wooten. Brennan Wooten, I'm sorry, uh, originally signed with TCU, 
was uh, an outstanding quarterback. Um, uh, you know, going back a little further, Mickey Scott, you know, uh, the son of uh, Travis Scott, the Angela State softball coach, and uh, and Gehrig's uh, older brother. He was a great quarterback. I wasn't covering him during that time. But, uh, you know, getting back to McIver, I mean, he uh, is great uh, players as Central has had in the, in the Davis era. Um, they never had a player that had as many, you know, D1 top, you know, tier co- uh, programs that were, you know, clamoring for uh, his services. And obviously uh, he's at Texas Tech now and uh, hopefully has a good chance of uh, being the, the starting quarterback for the Red Raiders if things work out uh, for him this fall. Yeah, it sounds like he's definitely going to be in the mix this fall, so hopefully he can go and seize that opportunity and take the job. That'd be awesome. Right, he got hurt last year, you know, mm-hmm. so otherwise, right. I mean, he might have he might have seen quite a bit of action last year. I can't say for sure on that, but, uh, you know, uh, hope he's uh, hopefully he's healthy and, and ready to go uh, this fall and, you know, can, uh, can do some big things for him. Yeah, uh, you know, you listed off a lot of great players there, and this is probably, this past decade has probably been the best single decade of football for Central. So, obviously, tons of tons of great players and memorable moments and great plays. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely has. Uh, you know, when Davis took over the program in 2009, it was really kind of, I hate to say down in the dumps, but that's kind of where they were at. And so he rebuilt the program. By the second year in 2010, they made the playoffs, and they made the playoffs every year since. Uh, you know, these last two seasons uh, hadn't worked out well for them, you know, losing uh, lopsided games in, in by district both years. But, uh, uh, you know, just punching their ticket to the playoffs uh, in, in District 36A against teams like Elis Trinity and uh, Fort Worth Haltom. You know, last season they had to – they they had a – basically a, a win or go home game at, at Halton, which was defending district champion at the time. They took care of business uh, um, with uh, Tanner Dabbert having a, a sensational game and kind of leading the way uh, in that one. So, uh, yes, it's a, I, don't, I don't think they've ever had a, a decade um, as successful as they have, uh, you know, this, this past 10 years. And uh, just thinking ahead now tour for for Central while we're on the subject of the Bobcats. So, uh, what do you what do you see in what do you what are your thoughts on next season for them? You know, as they move back into two six A where they belong with you know the Odessa Midland Abilene schools and also Friendship. Right. Well, you know the Bobcats were really young this past season, um, so they they're they're not losing a lot of seniors to graduation. They got a lot of underclassmen who got their feet wet, and they've got some really outstanding. Uh, kids coming up from the JV and the freshman team this season that are going to make names for themselves. And, uh, you know, they're so excited to be back in this district that, you know, they used to refer to and a lot of people still do as the Little Southwest Conference um, for obvious reasons. And uh, so, you know, it just didn't make much sense for them to be in that Metroplex uh, dis- heavy district like they were these past two years. But at the same time, that toughened them up. I mean, playing uh, – Teams like Trinity, you know, getting back, it's almost like, you know, size-wise, almost like playing a college team, you know, yeah. how big those guys are. And uh, so, you know, uh, it's going to be fun to see. I mean, I expect the Bobcats to be right in there in the thick of things, contending for that District 
268 championship with with Perman and Midland Lee and uh, you know Abilene High will probably uh, probably be pretty decent too and some of the others. So uh, really excited to see how the Bobcats do this fall. Hey Charles, I got a quick question for you. You know, what are you looking at uh, Lakeview wise? How do you look at the Chiefs and their All Decade team? Oh man, uh, you know they had some great players uh, over the years, and uh, you know, uh, starting off with the MVP uh, Eli Peterson class of uh, you know that 2013. He's a class of 2014, but in, in 2013, he just had an incredible. It's hard to believe it's been that long ago. But he had an incredible season. Um, uh, he was only 5'7", 165-pounder, but he, he was a record-setting back for the Chiefs with 2,350 yards and, and a total of 23 touchdowns. Um, he had a 325-yard game against Greenwood, and which set a school record. And then he came back with uh, 431 yards on the ground against Hereford in the regular season finale. And they needed that; they needed to win that game in order to make the playoffs, which they did uh, in large part to uh, what uh, Peterson was able to do. Um, you know, they had a really good offense, offensive line at the time, and uh, uh, so th- they were a lot of fun to watch uh, that year. And uh, you know, some of the other players, uh, Henry uh, Nikias. Uh, from 20, the 2017 season, um, you know, he ended up, uh, he's no longer on the roster at Angelo State, but he ended up signing with ASU. He threw for, uh, in 2017, he threw for 2,200 yards and 21 TDs uh, um, and was uh, was an all-district uh, utility selection uh, player in 4-5A. Um, he was also, uh, you don't see this very often, but he was a, uh, not only was he a good quarterback, but he was also a great linebacker. Uh, so uh, just shows what a what a tough you know guy he was. Um, some of the other players of the, over the last decade, another quarterback, Nick Martinez. Um, he helped them win a playoff game in uh, 2014. Uh, in fact, that that game against Canyon, we picked that as the game of the decade for the Chiefs in that one. Um, you know, some running backs uh, uh, during over the last decade, Donald Bowman uh, in 2015, he had uh, he had over a thousand yards uh, in 2014. Anthony Choppa, uh, he was only 5'4", 155 pounds, but uh, as a senior, he he ran for over a thousand yards, had 10 touchdowns. And uh, um, so that, that guy was as tough as they come. Uh, Another another good running back was Alex Ayala uh, from 2017 season. Um, uh, let's see, let me look through my notes here a little bit. Um, uh, receiving wise, Ahmad Daniels uh, was on the 2018 team. Uh, well, that was his senior season. Uh, he did some big things for the Chiefs. Uh, was known more as a basketball player, but in 2018 he had 678 yards rushing and eight TDs and. Uh, uh, Jesse Scott, uh, before he transferred to Central uh, as a junior at Lakeview in 2016, he uh, he had 526 receiving yards and eight touchdowns in an offense that wasn't, you know, primarily about throwing the ball at the time or anything. Um, and uh, you know, you can't you can't talk about uh, the Lakeview team without talking about uh, 
you know, some, uh, hang on a second, some of the defensive guys like uh, Taylor House, uh, 20, uh, 2014 team, and uh, he was a linebacker. He wasn't a big guy either. Like a lot of times the Chiefs were, you know, they had to plug guys in that didn't have the size that you would typically have at a given position, but they they had a lot of heart and made up for it that way, um, you might say. Um, and Johnny Espinosa, I mean, he he definitely got some consideration as being the player of the decade. Um, you know, in 2018, he he led uh, the whole state with 11 interceptions in the, in the regular season alone. And, uh, of course, his past season teams knew what he had done the previous season, so they tended not to throw his direction as much. But, uh, you know, he still still managed to have uh, three interceptions. And really he made a bigger impact in 28, 2019, I should say, as a receiver. I mean, he was uh, big time for him uh, uh, as a sure-handed receiver, you know, 45 receptions for uh, – 1,083 yards and 16 TDs. Uh, we were really disappointed that he didn't uh, get, um, you know, all state honors for what he did uh, on the offensive side. Yeah, Johnny Espinosa definitely was a name I heard a lot on Friday nights on the radio. And, and you know, one thing we saw from Lakeview is we saw quite a, a, a really good amount of improvement once they made that move uh, from the UIL. So, you know, from what we saw last season going forward, what's kind of your prediction uh, for the Chiefs for the 2020 season, if that does, you know, go as planned. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, they were just uh, in over their heads uh, really playing against a 5A competition when they were in the 4-5A district. But, uh, you know, um, now at the 4A level, you know, they're more on a level playing, playing field, so to speak, with these teams. I think they're going to close the gap with some of those, uh, you know, teams that are the top teams in the district, you know, um, this coming season, uh, it won't be easy to replace a guy like Johnny Espinosa, who I was just talking about, who did so many great things on both sides of the ball. You know, you'd like to, uh, a school at the 4A, 5A, or 6A level, you'd like to have your guys not have to play both sides of the ball, but uh, Lakeview doesn't doesn't uh, always have the depth to be able to, or typically doesn't, I should say, have the depth to be able to do that. So they had to uh, use their best best athletes on both sides of the ball as much as possible. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think they could, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, finish second or third in the district and hopefully, uh, you know, win a by-district game and see what they can do after that. Yeah, there'll definitely be a lot of fun to see how they're going to do this season. I want to also ask a little bit about some of the smaller schools here in the Concho Valley. You know, we saw the Wall Hawks, of course, uh, have another phenomenal year. They've kind of been doing that overall over the entire decade. You know, what do you see from the Hawks going forward here coming into 2020? Um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, uh, their their quarterback uh, has graduated and some other good seniors that they're losing. Um, so uh, I just think the program is so well established, just kind of like uh, – kind of like at Central or Mason, some of these teams that they don't ever really rebuild, they just kind of reload. But uh, um, they've definitely got some big shoes to fill to see, uh, you know, if, if they can, uh, you know, they've set the bar so high over there at Wall. But uh, I, I don't see them having much of a drop-off, really. I mean, Houston Guy always and his staff, they always have those guys ready. And, uh, you know, so um, 
I, I think it'll be another great season for the Wall Hawks, and they're going to be, uh, you know, they got really, they got a lot of injuries last year that really hurt them there. Obviously, you know, um, uh, the quarterback got hurt and uh, wasn't able to, you know, finish the season for them. And, uh, you know, um, so uh, I think I think they're poised for some, some big things uh, again, but it's going to be, you know, again, it's going to be hard to replace some of those seniors, but hopefully they have some guys from the JV level that uh, can, can plug in there and do just fine. Yeah, Hawks are always you know, excited Moore. to watch. Yeah, I was gonna I'm say Drew Morrison. You know, ha- Drew Morrison. You know, having the linebacker having to take over at quarterback last year. Um, now, I believe if I'm thinking correctly, he was a junior. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he takes over at quarterback or if he stays at linebacker or, or what happens there. Yeah, that quarterback situation is going to be fun to see uh, for the Hawks. Of course, on the last couple of shows, we've been talking a little bit about a lot of the coaching changes going on. Uh, out at Miles and, of course, at El Dorado. Uh, so looking at these two schools, who, of course, will probably square off again uh, this season, what are you seeing from those two teams and how are they going to have to adapt with, you know, two brand-new head coaches in their area? Right, yeah, there's always a little bit of a learning curve, naturally, when you have a, a new coach come in and w- w- maybe a little bit different philosophy on things and all. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, – you know, at El Dorado, I think John Long, with uh, you know his experience, you know, offensive line coach at uh, last three years at Waco Midway, you know, they were in a state championship game at the 6A level during his tenure there, um, and he was uh, before that he was an offensive line coach for three years at Central, and uh, so, um, you know, uh, I think he's going to be a great. Uh, this is pending approval by the school board tonight, actually, but. Uh, it looks like it's pretty much a done deal. So uh, um, I don't. I think he's just gonna, you know, pick up where they left off, so to speak, last year. And uh, Miles, you know, I think uh, it's. I think there's gonna be a lot of excitement with uh, uh, a new coach taking over there, and uh, Coach Wilhelm. Uh, you know, um, he uh, he's done some really good things in his career, and so. Uh, I think the miles will be, uh, will be, uh, you know, definitely one of the, one of the top smaller school teams in the area, probably this season. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a really exciting area there. Uh, going back to Shay a little bit, I think he had a few other questions he wanted to ask, uh, in regards to the Bobcats. I'll let him go ahead and ask those on over. Actually, yeah, let's go ahead and shift gears now, um, staying with the Bobcats, but going to some other sports like, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Because, you you know, you cover all the sports there at Central, so you've seen a lot of volleyball. Uh, talk about Connie Bozarth. Uh, she, you know, she recently re- retired as the Lady Cats volleyball coach, and she had a legendary career there. So just talk about her and, you know, what you think about her legacy and, you know, the impact that she had there. Oh, wow. The impact she had was just incredible, you know. I mean, she was uh, uh, 34 years in coaching overall. You know, she's in the Angela State Hall of Honor, was a was an outstanding player for the Rambells uh, back in the day. And uh, Connie and I are, are about the same age, you know. Um, so uh, I've known about her for, for many years. And, uh, you know, she started off at Seguin just one year there. Then she was at Bront, then Lakeview, and then Central, where she uh, – 
spent uh, 18 years at Central, won over 300 games during that time. And, uh, you know, in her career overall, she's one of the few coaches in the state that has over 800 wins uh, on her resume. So, uh, and you'll never meet a coach who, who cared more about her players um, than Coach Bozarth. I mean, you know, she thought of them, you know, you hear this all the time, you know, they, they, we treat them like children or they feel like, you know, they're my kids. Well, she really did feel that way about, um, you know, and about all of her players and uh, numerous, uh, countless players uh, she was able to send to the uh, next level, you know, uh, including uh, maybe most recently Trinity Southall, who's at Southern Methodist now, you know, so uh, um, it's going to be weird not seeing uh, Coach Bozarth on campus, but I'm guessing she'll be a, She'll be uh, at a lot of the games watching in the stands, you know. But, uh, yeah, she she just uh, made an indelible mark on the program. And uh hate to see her uh, wind things up, but uh, at the same time, I'm happy for her. Retirement is well-deserved, and uh, she's going to get to kick back and uh, do some traveling and, uh, you know, just enjoy life a little bit. But, uh, you know, the new coach, uh, Julie Williams, that's taken over for her, she has a, a really strong resume herself, a uh, 17-year veteran in coaching. Uh, she's led teams to the 5A regional semifinals and, or, excuse me, regional finals and, and quarterfinals and uh, was an All-American player herself at Lubbock Christian. Um, I haven't gotten to uh, to meet her yet, but it sounds like, you know, uh, she's uh, she's got really uh, good credentials, so uh looks like the Lady Cats are in good hands. It's just going to be kind of weird not, not seeing Bozarth around there because she's been such a fixture at, at uh, Central uh, and in and West Texas in general for so long, kind of like when uh, Central swim coach David Haig retired after 41 years, you know, uh, <laughs> before this past season, you know, uh, between uh, Haig and, and Bozarth. I mean, those two had been around there uh, many, many decades, you know, combined. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, um, you know, to see because she's she's been there so long, Coach Bozarth. Uh, but it does sound like they got a you know another experienced coach who's had a lot of success to take over. So, hope you know, hopefully they don't miss a beat because they've had a lot of really good teams for a long time now at, at playing volleyball there at, uh, at Central. Yes, and if I if I remember correctly, uh, the Lady Cats failed to make the playoffs. I believe just one time uh, in Bozarth's yeah. career at Central. You know, so. Uh, when she took over that program, it, uh, when they when they first won a playoff game, uh, it was the first I want to say the first playoff win in like 20 years, something like that. So uh, very similar uh, rebuilding job that she did compared to what Davis has done in football there at Central. Yeah, I was I was going to make that comparison because it, you know it sticks out when you when you start to talk about both programs. Um, also wanted to ask you about Lady Cats Gymnastics, which, um, you know, I mean, they're pretty, it's an unbelievable program. I mean, there's, it's hard, it'd be hard to find another program in the state in any sport that has the kind of success that they do year after year after year. And I know, you know, they, obviously they didn't get to finish their season. They didn't get to defend their title, but they did finish ranked number one. Uh, and then the boys also are always really good, and they I think they finished ranked number ninth in the state. So talk about both of those programs, what you saw from them, and uh, and and uh, what you see from them going ahead towards next year. 
Right, yeah. You got to really feel for, uh, especially for the Lady Cats, because, I mean, they were undefeated on the season. Um, you know, they were really, really looked like they had a strong chance if they would have stayed healthy, um, which they were healthier toward the end of the season than they were, you know, earlier during the year. Um, and uh, uh, where was I going with that? Uh <clears throat> Uh, you, you know, they were shooting for that 10 state title and coach Walker, you know, has led them to all nine of them dating back to 1989. He said he would have gone into this state meet if they would have had it more confident than he ever would have been, you know, in the past, which is really saying something, you know, um, it's really sad for the five seniors that they lost off that team, including one of their top all arounders, Mary Grace Thompson. But, uh, they've got, uh, you know, so many great ones coming back that are, you know, they're, they're built for success for, for years to come. They never seem to have a, a drop-off in the program there. Uh, you know, they've got some of their best all-arounders coming back, like um, Madison Vogel and Jaden Sawyer. So, uh, and not being able to compete and finish things up this spring, it's going to give them even more of a burning desire to do big things in uh, 2021. So, uh, I would pencil them in as the state championship state champion favorite uh, right now at this point if, if they stay healthy uh, uh, next season. Um, so, and on the boys' side, the boys were hurt uh, injury-wise. Uh, they were pretty young this year, um, but Coach Kern Eric, he's he's always done a solid job there too. It's, it's hard to, you know, mirror the kind of success that the Lady Cats have had uh, over the years. Um, one thing, one advantage that they have on the girls' side is that uh, the Concho Valley uh, gymnastics program is like a feeder program for the central girls. They don't have the equivalence of that on the boys' side, but Coach Eric works with younger boys, uh, you know, and, and tries to do the best he can as far as developing young talent come in, coming in. But, uh, you know, uh, for the Lady Cats, I mean, they've, they've always got some, uh, you know, it's, it's not strange to see them have, you know, three or four freshmen come in and be, you know, among their top gymnasts because it, it's been like that a lot over the years. So um, both great programs. And like you said, I mean, year in and year out, especially the Lady Cats, uh, uh, always one of the most successful teams in, in San Angelo and, and the area. And the boys are always right there in the top 10 in the state also. Yeah, with the Lady Cats, you know, one of the – obviously they've won a lot of state championships one of the stats that gets thrown out i don't remember the exact number right now at the top of my head i don't have have it in front of me but just how many regional titles they've won in a row i think it's i don't i don't know how many it is but it's a ton and that always kind of blows me away that they can be that dominant in their region um every year right yeah uh yeah i forget too uh, it's, it's it's a whole bunch of them uh, i wish i had that here in front yeah. of me with my notes but uh <laughs> Um, yeah, they've dominated district and regional uh, meets for so long that it's almost a guarantee that they're gonna that they're gonna win it. You know, uh, whereas on the boys' side, uh, you know, the the big uh, challenge for Central has been uh, typically, usually Odessa Perman, but this past season, the Odessa High boys really uh, stepped up and uh, and so they were really strong and uh, so. Um, Central is always one of the, on the boys side is always one of the top teams in district and regionals, but it's it's been hard to win those uh, championships because of those teams I was just talking about. But 
Um, I think the Bobcats uh, will be more seasoned this coming year if they can stay healthy. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, finish top six in the state. And a programming note real quick for everybody watching on the, on the subject of Lady Cats Gymnastics. We are actually, next week, we're, our guests are going to be Coach Tony Walker, and he's going to bring on some of his players. So we're going to get to talk to them next week on Contro Sports Show about Lady Cats Gymnastics. And I'm, you know, I'm really pumped about that to, to get to get the inside scoop on their success and how they do it. Because I've always, always been kind of fascinated by their program and how good they are. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll definitely have to be checking that one out. They'll they'll give you some good stuff for sure. Oh, yes, sir. So, uh... All right, yeah. So we're gonna I'll, I'll move on a little bit here. I love uh, high school athletics, but of course, me and you probably share the same passion for collegiate sports, none other uh, than Angelo State University here in the Concho Valley. So of course, you, you know one thing I really want to ask you for sure. You know, we saw Ram baseball under Kevin Brooks. Currently, they were number one in the country. Looked like they were gonna make another run. Uh, for not you know not just the South Central Regional but probably another World Series berth. Of course, sadly with everything that happened, that kind of put an end to the dream. Uh, tell us, take a, give me a little bit of a take of what you saw this season from Ram baseball. Uh, you know, uh, of course, some of their some of their guys that didn't get drafted, uh, we were really surprised, and so the coaching staff was too. Um, season before this last one, you know that um, they had. Uh, you know, Nick Novak, you know, uh, and uh, uh, um, the the player of the year, the D2 level, uh, the year before, uh, I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head, uh, yeah. Josh Elvier. <laughs> Thank you. There you yeah, go. There um, you. My old brain doesn't, uh, doesn't work quick enough. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and they, they had really good uh, hitting and, and, and good pitching. Um and uh, they were really poised to uh, make a run. At, uh, they've never won a national championship in baseball, but uh, I think they would have had a great chance to do that if uh, things wouldn't have worked out like they did for them, unfortunately. Um, you know, you just hate to see that uh, for all teams, but uh, especially ones that were looked like they were knocking on the door for uh, something really special. Um, and, the, and the issue softball team also, I mean, they were – uh, like Coach Scott told me, I mean, they were really kind of hitting their stride at the end of the season, and, uh, you know, um, they had some struggles early on a little bit, but uh, um, they, they, were, they were poised to do some big things in the postseason as well, so hate to see it for them, and um, kind of the same goes for the ASU, uh, excuse me, women's and, and men's track teams. Uh, they could have very easily uh, won some uh, national titles uh, individually and maybe made a push for uh, some team uh, championships as well. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I was watching Ram Bell softball. I got to do a couple of games for them, uh, for Ram TV, and definitely, you know, they were kind of struggling a little bit. But they were looking like they were finally getting going. They had a really good pitching staff. The hitters were finally getting going. So, yeah, definitely sad not to see how well they could have ended the year. Uh, one thing we saw, of course, early looking back to the fall was Ram football. Had a phenomenal uh, first outing under first-time head coach Garrick, uh, what's going to call it, Garrick St Scott. I know it's Jeff Gersh. Uh, Jeff Gersh. Jeff I don't know Gersh. why I was thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had him a while back. That's probably why. But, under, you know, Coach Gersh, he did a phenomenal job his first year of kind of taking over the helm for the Ram football team. Uh, you know, they came up just a little bit short getting back into that NCAA 
uh, playoffs. You know, what do we see from the Rams going forward here and what will be a brand new uh, Lone Star Conference atmosphere without the Tarleton State Texans returning? Right. I mean, without Tarleton State in the mix, uh, you know, and they gave them a, a very, res- they had a very respectable showing against them. They weren't able to pull it off. But uh, um, I think, you know, now that they've got one year under their belt with uh, Coach Gersh, you know, and his coordinators, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, they're going to make a real push for, real strong push for a, a conference championship. And, uh, you know, if, you know, if they can make it to the playoffs, uh, you know, maybe they can make some noise in the postseason as well. Um, I think uh, Coach Gersh has, uh, you know, uh, given the the program a shot of adrenaline, you might say. And uh, you know, nothing against uh, Coach Coach Wagner; he did he did a great job too. But um, it was it was probably time for a change. And uh, uh, Gersh, a uh, real hands-on guy, uh, he he gets real fired up, gets his troops fired up, and uh, so, uh, and that's contagious, you know, uh, the players seem to love to play for him. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think the Rams, uh, they're, they're only going to continue to improve, uh, on what they did this past season. It's my guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a phenomenal one for the Rams. It's going to be interesting to see them go up against Midwestern state and, uh, Texas A&M commerce. But if they can get past those two teams, you can only kind of imagine how far they'll go, uh, by the end of the year. Right. I mean, if they can finish in the top three in the conference, that would be very respectable, obviously, you know, not that they want to settle for that. They want to, you know, swing for the fences and see if they can win a championship. But those teams you talked about, it's not going to be easy getting past them, but uh, uh, they'll welcome those challenges for sure. Absolutely. You know, looking a little bit forward at some of the bigger uh, Division One areas, of course, we'll look at the Big 12 Conference. You know, this will be an interesting year. Uh, what's your take on the Red Raiders coming into this year? This will be their second year trying to get back. You know, we'll see a brand-new quarterback situation going on. So what do we kind of hope to see for Texas Tech? You know, I think last year uh, was a disappointing season, obviously, for them. Um, again, I, I, you know, I think that's going to – I think that's going to really um, light a fire under the Red Raiders to uh, try to uh, really make up for that and show what they're really capable of doing uh, this next season, this coming season, I should say. Um, it'll be really great for San Angelo and uh, folks in, in West Texas uh, who have been uh, watching Maverick McIver over the years. If he ends up uh, you know, being the starting quarterback for him. I mean, he, he's a great dual threat guy, you know, uh, who just did some unbelievable things uh, at the high school level, and he's just uh, chomping at the bit to, uh, I know, to take over as a, as a Red Raiders quarterback, and uh, they've had so many great ones, obviously, in recent years. Uh, you know, who, uh, who, who's the guy at Kansas City now? Uh, <laughs> Mahomes. Uh, so, well, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and second year under new head coach, um, you know, it, it it's, it's difficult to come in your first year and, and do big things, you know, uh, probably, uh, you know, so uh, they were, they were learning to adjust to him, uh, his way of doing things a little bit. And, but uh, they should be a lot more comfortable with his system. And uh, so I, I think, uh, I think the Red Raiders will be, will be much improved this year is, is what I'm thinking. All right, for my last question, of course, uh, early prediction, who do you probably have as the Big 12 Conference champion this season? 
Well, you know, uh, it's going to be it's probably going to be hard to uh, keep those Oklahoma Sooners out of there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Texas, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the Longhorns, you know, if they can be a contender there. Um, uh, so, um, you know, Baylor, uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to be like uh, this year yet uh, and some of the other ones, but uh, – you know, um, I just think Oklahoma has got the has has been the you know the heavyweight so to speak of the of the conference for a while now. So it's gonna be kind of hard to knock them off their totem pole, um, you know, so to speak. But uh, um, teams like the Longhorns, uh, you know, could be right there in the thick of things too. Absolutely, it's gonna be a fun fall coming up here. So I'll go ahead and pass on on over back to Shay now. All right, so, and I think I know we've probably talked about some of these games already, but uh, what are some of the storylines, you know, this spring that we didn't get to see carry out that you were looking forward to seeing that we, you know, we never got any resolution to? Right, you know, uh, you know, one of the first uh, teams that was really impacted a lot um, when, uh, you know, when the, when the shutdown happened was uh, the San Saba boys basketball team. Uh, now they were going to have to face the number one team in the state in Martins Mill, but you know, um, so really feel for them that they weren't able to uh, see what they could do against them. All the pressure would have been on Martins Mill to try to defend that number one ranking. Um, but uh, um, <clears throat> I'm getting a low battery deal here. I notice. Uh-huh. Hopefully, uh, doesn't run out here. But uh, um, uh. You know, other teams that uh, really were affected a lot, you know, Mason Tennis, year in, year out, they win a ton of state championships. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to uh, see what they could do this spring. Uh, Wall Baseball didn't get a chance to defend its uh, its state championship. And the same goes for uh, Robert Lee Girls Golf. Uh, you know, even though they lost their two top players to graduation, uh, they didn't get a chance to see what they could do. Um, some other things, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, uh, Central Girls and Boys Golf Teams were, were doing some big things before this happened. Uh, you know, Lady Cats sophomore Ryan Honey, she, was a, she, went, she went to state as a freshman last year and uh, had some great rounds. Of, you know, I think she shot a 68 in the fall, um, if I remember correctly. And uh, so... Uh, it was looking like there was a strong chance that it wasn't just going to be Honey maybe make it to the state, that maybe the Lady Cats could make it as a team. And and the boys' team was really looking good, too. Um, you know, we talked about ASU baseball, softball, and track. Um, you know, I'd also like to mention Central and Lakeview uh, soccer teams. Uh, they didn't get to see what they could do in, in the postseason. Um, so that's too bad for them. Um and so those are just some off the top of my head, uh, you know. You, so it really affected so many teams in, in a big way and, and individuals as well, obviously. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Charles. I mean, so many. And, and you, you know, you, you mentioned some that I hadn't thought of. Uh, it's incredible the amount of teams that were affected and, you know, didn't get to finish things off and get that resolution. All right, guys, time for overtime. Going to ask a few fun questions here, and we'll start off with an easy one. 
Ford or Chevy? Chevy. All right. All right. Good. Hmm. And Vince. Although I've owned All both. Right. Yeah, me too. I've owned both. Right now I own a Ford. But <laughs> yeah, I love I'm the Chevy fan, yes. I really the like Ford those new Chevys. Truck. Yeah. All right. The uh, for me, I got, I got a paper or plastic. Uh, plastic. All right. Do you have a favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie. Uh, hmm. Let me take a minute. Uh, if I had to pick one, um, I'll go with the original Rocky. Ah, all right. Good one. Oh, yeah, that's that a good one. one. Great movie and one that nobody has said yet. So uh, I like that. Oh, yeah. One. Awesome. Yeah. I like the one with the, uh, where's he fights, uh, Mr. T. Oh, the third one, yeah. The third one, third yeah. one yeah. You yeah, know, I haven't seen any after the fourth one, man. I never saw the fifth one with Tommy Morrison, and I heard it wasn't too great. Yeah, yeah I, I saw it. I saw it once, and I don't remember it. I mean, it didn't leave an impression, I guess, because it's been a long time. The fourth one is the one that stands out to me when he fights the Russian Ivan Drago, I guess is I think is his name, because I remember actually Ivan watching. Ivan Drago, yeah, I must break you. Yes, I must break yeah. you. Yeah. See, I remember seeing that movie. I mean, it must have. Uh, I was must have been really, really young because I remember seeing it at the Twin View drive-through, sitting on the back of a flatbed truck. Oh so, man, I miss the drive drive-through yeah. drive-in oh, yeah. movie days. You know, those are good yeah. times. <laughs> I have very few memories of that because I was so young. But man, it's that would be actually that would be perfect to have right now, to be able to go to a drive-through and watch a movie because you can stay away from people social distance right you know what uh i don't know they have one in la misa i don't know if they still use it i'm trying to think of one close by san angelo that's the only one i've seen in recent years that i can think of off the top of my head but mm. yeah yeah that's something that you know the younger people today obviously have never have never experienced and uh, maybe with the, in these days of social distancing that would be uh perfect right now it would vince you ever been to a drive-through th uh, movie theater and I sure have, and I wish I uh, have. We have one out in uh, Gatesville, which is probably about what, maybe 45 minutes out from Waco. So hopefully, maybe I might give it a chance. But right now, I'm sure right now they're probably the most yeah. busiest since everybody's going over there. Since uh, nobody can use it there. I want to. I really want to go. I always hear great stories from my parents about them. So there's still a couple of uh, in Waco, close to the Baylor campus. There's actually a flea market that still uses what was the uh, drive-in. So it's still got the big screen and everything, but other than that, it's sadly kind of all just little shops here and there, but it's still kind of fun to get to see. You know, I remember, uh, Shay, you were too young to remember this. You, you at least went to some driving movies, you said, but uh, I remember they had this deal where if you tried to sneak your car in, they had these things that would come up, and they would basically just oh. puncture all your tires. Oh, man. So it's like, you know, you're not going to get a ticket or anything, but – have fun getting out of here with four flat tires, you know? <laughs> I think I might rather have a ticket. <laughs> I remember a lot of stories about guys sneaking, uh, you know, other other kids in in the, uh, in the trunk of the car to get more people in than actually had legally paid to see the movie, you know? So, of course, I never did anything like that. <laughs> yeah, of course not. All right, let's see. I think I got one here. I, that's, uh, favorite decade of music. Ah, good one. Ooh. 
It'd have to be the 70s or 80s for me. I know I'm showing my age by saying that. And uh, I guess if I had to pick, I'd go with the 80s. So much great music in that decade. It's, uh, it's really hard to compete against the 80s in my mind. And so many different genres of music. Yeah, for sure. How about you guys? For me, I would say uh, the '80s are great too, but the '70s, which was pretty much was before my time, but I love you know like classic rock from the '70s, you know Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, all that. But then also the '90s because that's kind of you know when I first really started remembering and listening to a lot of music, um, you know, all the grunge stuff, even like the early '90s hip hop stuff. I remember listening to a lot back then. So yeah, I mean there. Yeah, I love I love the '90s um, and the '70s and the '80s, and as far as I'm concerned, music pretty much died after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah for it's, me, it's yeah. so different, you know. I mean, yeah, you know, me, kids yeah. don't even nobody listens to whole albums anymore. They're just you That's know true. downloading one song or whatever. Like you know, I mean, especially back in the LP days, you know, you talk about hey, have you heard you know side A of whatever album or side B, you know, and yeah. uh, um, so, um, it, it's just changed so much, but, uh, you guys are just kids compared to me. So wait till you get, uh, you know, a couple decades from now and you're like thinking, man, you'll hear about these songs you listened to back in your youth. It's like, I can't believe it was that long ago, you know, like for me, I, I'm a huge Kiss fan from back in the day. Uh, I actually saw him play and I hate to admit, uh, five different decades, uh, believe it or not, you know, cause I saw him in the seventies, eighties, nineties. 2000 and once in 2010 uh pretty crazy actually got to meet gene simmons uh uh on the river walk uh, and his wife uh back in uh 2010 i think it was you know and that was a very memorable experience and we got a photo with them and uh so that was pretty cool that's awesome that reminds me i remember a story of a friend of mine from years ago probably 15 years ago at least um they ran into ted nugent at heb in San Angelo, but they didn't know who it was at the time. Oh, I met Ted Nugent <laughs> one time too. Really? Uh, I got backstage at a show in Austin. I think it was 1986, and uh, I remember there was a there was a guy showing some card tricks at the time, and Ted was just standing there, you know, his long hair. And he'd shake his head back with his hair, you know, and all that, and uh, he just seemed like, you know, such a such an approachable guy. Um, you know, I didn't really talk to him myself or anything. But I did have a buddy in high school who, when Ted came to town, he would hunt on his dad's uh, ranch, right? So, uh, you know, and he's talking about things. One time, I remember, he was on KLST TV saying, yeah, I'm going to go out to Low Wakey and test their beef. You know, he'd heard about the great steakhouse over there. And uh, so, as far as I know, I wouldn't be surprised if he still hunts around this area some. So, Yeah, he may. Um, and he, he was one of my dad's favorites, so... Um, and I think I, we still have some of his actual albums, like his uh, records. So, well, hang on to them. Those cool. will be worth oh, yeah. uh, something. Uh, if they're not sure. already, they'll be worth a lot someday. I wish I would have kept all my LPs, but uh, I've still got a pretty sizable collection. But at one point, I probably had about 400 albums or so. Wow. Yeah, I don't have a record player. Um, it'd be nice to be able to go back and listen to some of those sometime again. Um, but I, I still have all of my CDs, even though I listen to all my music on Google play music now, but I have, I have them all on a shelf, all of my CDs and I've actually ripped them all. So most of the music I listen to or a lot of it is actually from the discs at least. So, um, 
Yeah. I hear you. You know, and I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, CDs over time, they, they, they like, they're not going to work right or whatever. Well, you know, after like 10 years or something, I haven't seen that to be the case myself. I mean, I think if you take care of them, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. throwing them on the floorboard and stepping on them all the time or something. I think, you know, they, they seem to stand the test of time pretty well. So I've got a whole bunch of CDs myself and, as far as I know, they're all still playing well. <laughs> yeah, mine too, I think. Uh, Vince, favorite decade? Yeah, I, I mean, I got to be with y'all guys, 80s. Uh, my dad raised me on it, so I fell in love with it. I think I listened to uh, 100.1 when I was over in San Angelo here in Waco. We have our oldies 95 over here. So, I mean, uh, 80s is my favorite area. I think I was born in 92, so I probably heard a, a few 90s songs, so 90s a little bit there. But, yeah, 80s, you can't go wrong with any genre in that. I mean – I can listen to just about everything from the 80s. And I, you know, I get weird looks from more of my younger crowd saying, where are you listening to? But I'm like, man, that, you can't go wrong with the 80s. I have that any day over what, you know, is currently playing on the radio right now. Well, kind of to piggyback off that, you know, as you guys know, anytime you go to a high school football game or college games, when they're playing, you know, games, playing music, I'm sorry, before the games start, what are they typically playing? Almost always it's stuff from the 80s. I mean, if you notice that, I'm like, you know, yeah. people jump like, hey, that was, that was a song from back in your day, wasn't it? Yeah, and apparently it's people will still like it. You know, the bands play music from Ozzy Osbourne or, or what have you, you know, so that's pretty cool. Good music stands the test of time. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. All right, so Where do you would have... we be without sports and music? I don't know, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I would do without either one of those. That'd be tough. Um, So uh, do you have, like, something when you're not working, um, any kind of a favorite hobby or thing you like to do in your spare time? Um, Music is a big part of it. I love uh, listening to a lot of music. Um, I do have uh, some guitars myself. Uh, I can't say they're actually playing very well. I make some noise with them, you might say, but uh, I need to put more time in there. It's kind of hard to seem to find the time to practice like i'd like to but uh uh you know hanging out with the dogs um um the thing i I guess i've been into the most lately is uh i just uh, really enjoy uh cooking a whole lot you know and during these times uh uh you know especially i've been cooking way more than i than i normally would so uh, uh i love putting something on the grill um i don't get too fancy with things but uh I can do pretty good steaks, burgers, grilled chicken, and and what have you. <laughs> awesome. What about you guys? I wish I could cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the closest I can come to is uh, putting like the weenies in the. Uh, you're boiling them on the stove. That's probably as close as I can get. But uh, yeah, I mean, for me, when it comes to like a hobby, I, I think it's sports still all in general. I mean, just back in the day. Uh, growing up here in Waco school was extremely stressful. So I think I was in 2008, my cousin, she works uh, for the Waco ISD area. And at that time they were giving away season tickets or for cheaper season tickets to Baylor football. Uh, so my Saturdays, that was my favorite play area to go was to Floyd Casey stadium to watch the bears play. And boy, from there on, I just completely grew on sports and that became my hobby. So I'm very happy to work in sports. So that's kind of, a uh, combination of, of both uh, work and hobby for me. So that's that's kind of my area a little bit. You know, my wife, uh, she's uh, she watched probably as, as much Netflix stuff as anyone I know of. Uh, 
and we got roped into watching, uh, you know, the Tiger King. There was such a buzz about it recently, and uh, we saw it, and, you know, it had its moments and all, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. <laughs> but after it was over, like, okay, that's it? Like, I'm like, why is this getting so much attention? I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> everyone was talking about Tiger King. Is it just me? Have you guys seen it, or...? I've seen it, yeah. Oh. It's, uh, I mean, it's insane. That's, I guess that's why it got so much attention. But yeah, it's not that great. I mean, even the way it was kind of put together and structured wasn't that great because they wasn't really. It was like not chronological. It was jumping around everywhere, so it was kind of hard. I was kind of wondering when certain things were happening in relation to other things, and it was just kind of jumbled all together. Like as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Yeah, I don't think that's really going to fit for me." The way he's looking, and then when I heard tigers were involved, I was like. Yeah, this ain't going to end very well at all. Yeah. <laughs> I can already tell that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's really not fun to watch if you like animals. I know that. Because, uh, I mean, it's a bunch of tigers in captivity. Yeah. Right. And, of course, the other the big thing that's going on now is, uh, of course, The Last Dance, you know, Michael Jordan and the Bulls uh, documentary. Uh, Shay, you and I were talking earlier. We've uh, we've been recording them, and we're, we're behind. We've got to catch up on things. But, uh um i've got them all on the dvr i just haven't seen them all yet but uh um you guys are too young to have uh you know seen those teams back when they played but for me it's so cool reliving those memories uh you know uh the nba these days doesn't have a character like a dennis rodman you know or you know teams like the bad boys from detroit pistons back in the day and and that sort of thing so it was just a special era, you know, officiating-wise. They let them get away with a lot more. It was a lot more physical play, obviously, back then, you know. Um, you know, teams like uh, the Golden State Warriors, well, before this past season when they were really still the Golden State Warriors, it would have been interesting to see how they would have done against some of these teams from another era, like uh, the Lakers, the Bulls, or, or the Pistons even. Uh, you know, I guarantee, you know, uh, uh, Bill Lambert would have gotten in their heads a little bit, you know, if they had a they would have played those guys in, in the finals, but, uh, um, so, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that, uh, I have enjoyed the most during this pandemic that we're all dealing with is obviously without the live games going on, they're, they're, uh, you know, rebroadcasting so many of these, uh, you know, great sports games and, and so forth from the past. And, uh, so that's been really cool to see all that again and of course with the late great Kobe Bryant they've showed n numerous games that he played in you know including his last one and uh, um, it's still just hard to believe that I I'm a big Lakers fan it's still hard to believe that you know Kobe's gone and uh, you know but uh, you know that was something of course right before the pandemic you know that hit and that really kind of brought everyone together it seemed like you know people were you know uh, you know, everyone was, you know, seemed to be affected by that in one way or another, you know, because uh, everyone knew about Kobe Bryant. I mean, he was kind of the Michael Jordan of his era, you know, and uh, so uh, it's been great to, to see that stuff again, you know, but I know I'm chomping at the bit as you guys are too to see some live sports though. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I guess I'm probably older than you think because I vividly remember the 90s Bulls teams and and the, the even a little bit the the bad boys teams from the Pistons, and I think you know you're, you're talking about how those kind of teams would do against today's teams. You know, back then it was really a, really a contact sport. I think they would kind of pound these teams into submission, for that they have nowadays. 
I mean, they'd, there'd right, be some intimidation right, yeah. going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how they would how they would deal with that. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, obvious question here: um, Jordan or LeBron? Oh man, I've been kind of I've been on the fence about that one, that one in my head, but I think. I don't know, maybe just seeing this stuff again recently with Jordan is, you know, has kind of reminded me, like, you know, I would say LeBron, but I think considering what all went on during Jordan's career and so forth, in addition to what a great player he was, um, I got to go with MJ on that one. Yeah, I'm with you there for sure. For me, it's Jordan's the best ever. But at I mean, the same I, I, time, I don't think we've ever seen a player, uh, LeBron's size, that can do the kind of things he can do, you know, such a physical presence. I mean, was he 6'8", 260 or whatever? Yeah. You know, um, how, how would these teams uh, from back in the day, you know, how would they have done against him, you know? And, you know, later on he became, uh, in recent years, he's become such a, a good shooter from outside and stuff. So, you know, uh uh, I, I, you know, I said Michael Jordan, but at the same time, I don't think we've ever seen a player quite like LeBron James either. Definitely a unique athlete in basketball, that's for sure, with his size and athleticism combination. For Got sure. Any more events? All right, probably uh, for my last one, probably a, a very easy Texan answer. Uh, Waterburger or or what's the other one called? Uh, in and Out. Yeah. I got to go with Whataburger, man. I have not been impressed. <laughs> Some people are going to kill me for saying this. Uh, I heard they're better in California. I've never had In-N-Out in California. I've only been there one time. But uh, uh, to me, it's the old uh, tried and true Whataburger, man. It must be a Texas thing or something. Because, uh, you know, I actually had In-N-Out for the first time, uh, I want to say, in like 2014, where we were at State Gymnastics uh, outside of Houston. And uh, a photographer and I, Neither one of us had had it, and uh, I was going to go get us something to eat while he was working on photos. I said, hey, you want to grab In-N-Out? Goes, yeah, let's let's see what they're like. Like, We ate them or, like, looking at each other, like, befuddled. Like, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, it's a it's a decent burger and all, but uh, I'll go with Whataburger, man. I'll even put my own uh, my own burgers up against In-N-Out. I, I, you know, uh, I haven't got them out on the market yet, you know, but uh, – <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think any homemade burger is going to beat either of those, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where do you go with those, Shay? You know what? In I kinda and out hate, or what I kind of, I mean, not in and out. I'll say that first. But I hate to kind of go on record with this on the show with everybody watching. But I think Whataburger is a little overrated. I mean, it's, a, it's solid. <laughs> I know. I know. I I, I get a lot of flack for this one, so I try I try not to talk about it too much. But I mean, it's a solid burger, but I, I just think it's overhyped, in my opinion. I mean, it's a Texas pride thing, and I understand that. That, but without that, I don't think that it would be as as loved as it is. And I've only had how about best burger in San Angelo? Where would you say? Ooh, okay, let me think about that. You know, it might be. I'm not sure of a single place, but. It, it seems like Mexican food restaurants always have really good burgers. Like if you go there and you're not they in the mood do. for a Mexican food and you just get a burger, they're always really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you know they make them on the grill there, where they're making all the Mexican food anyway. Right. So it's like I think that adds yeah. something to it, and just yeah. you know, uh, gives it kind of a unique flavor. But yeah, they, they don't ever mail it in on their burgers. Yeah. It, it may be a, it's a Mexican food restaurant, but yeah, I have never gotten a burger at, at one of those establishments that's not really good. Um, to me, Texas Steak Express is pretty hard to beat too. You know. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten those several times, and they're good. Um, and yeah, in and out, I went once, maybe 10 years ago in Dallas, like probably not long after they first opened and for fast food, I thought it was pretty good, but you know, nothing, nothing special. Spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Vince, your Whataburger all the way, I'm assuming. Yeah. Whataburger. I'm, I'm a big fan of Whataburger and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it either. It's just like you said, it's especially when you think of size portion. Yeah. I think it yeah. doesn't come anywhere close to Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> and before everybody starts sending me hate mail. I do like Whataburger. I've just, <laughs> you know, I'm just not as obsessed with it as some people are, which is fine. How about there's... the uh, breakfast taco in San Angelo? Who would you go with there? Okay. That's Imagine. tough. Um, maybe Las Panchitas, I think it is, on North Chadburn. Those are good. Um, of course, I like Corner Stop, too. Um Right. Hidalgo, or not Hidalgo's. I mean, I'm sure they're good, too. I haven't had their breakfast at Hidalgo's. But uh, um, what's the other place I'm thinking of? Julio's. Those are pretty good. Diego's, and maybe? Di and I was going to say Diego's also are pretty good. Really, everywhere, every any burrito or taco place you go to, they're all, all they're in San Angelo that's just like a little local place, they're all going to be good. But um, Panchitas is good, and one that kind of maybe gets overlooked a lot. Right, and Rosa's, you know, they just started doing uh, breakfast uh, food, I want to say about a year ago, maybe, and uh, uh, I know it's a chain and all, but yeah, uh, if you haven't tried Rosa's breakfast uh, fare, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, I haven't tried their breakfast yet, but I do love their beef fajitas. Yeah, you can't go wrong with I haven't Rosa's. been brave enough to try the Taco Bell breakfast yet, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> Uh, no, no breakfast crunch wraps for me. No. I hope you guys aren't sponsored by Taco Bell after I say that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what about Wings though? You know, I, I mean, our sponsor is Wingstop, and in my opinion, I mean, they they do have the best wings in San Angelo that I've had. The one on Knickerbocker. They do, yeah, and you get uh, get a lot more bang for your buck. It seems like with theirs yeah, too, you know. For sure. So. Wild Wings is good, uh, but yeah, Wingstop, uh, I definitely might have to give them the edge there myself. All right, Charles, if you had to choose one to eat for the rest of your life, you could only choose one, would it be barbecue or Mexican food? I think I would get burned out on barbecue a little sooner than I would on Mexican food. I could eat Mexican right. food every day of my life. Okay. Awesome. I, yes. I could almost do that with barbecue, though. <laughs> Um, yeah, the only other person who said a Mexican food, I've asked this every week, was Josh Torres last week, the Lakeview yeah. soccer player. He chose Mexican food. Um, and me, yeah. for me, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, I, I don't, it's, this is my show, so I don't have to answer that question if I don't want to, so I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Make that for Oh, yeah, for me, uh, for me, it's barbecue. I, I love barbecue. I, I can't live without it. I've uh, I loved it in San Angelo. My favorite place to go to is Pack Saddle. There's some other. Uh, I think the Pit's another great one. And then one gentleman I worked with, 
at Ram TV, Russell Howard makes some of the absolute best barbecue uh, around. So, I mean, I, I love barbecue here in Waco. We have some great barbecue places. So, I, I mean, I can, I cannot go out without without any barbecue. Yeah, you know, seen... one funny little story. Oh, go ahead, Shay. I was going to say real quick, he mentioned Russ Howard. I have seen some of his posts on Facebook about his barbecue stuff. So, must be pretty good. It's a pro. It's a legend. I mean, you haven't lived till you had it. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> barbecue. Many years ago, I was uh, eating barbecue in uh, in Austin at this place called Sam's Barbecue. It's off the beaten track a little bit. You know, a lot of people don't know about it. But I'd heard about it because it was Stevie Ray Vaughan's favorite barbecue place. So I'm like, oh, I got to check that out. And it was the real deal. Um, I remember going in there and, and seeing a sign that they open at 9 in the morning. And I asked the lady, I said, what do y'all sell at nine in the morning? She kind of looks at me like, are you dumb or something? She said, barbecue. So I'm like, yeah, barbecue for breakfast, right? Heck yeah. Why not? And you can always just put the meat in a tortilla, have a brisket burrito, yeah. brisket taco. Right. All right. Uh, last question. And this is the one that I, the last question I always ask every week, creamy or crunchy peanut butter. Hmm. I eat creamy more often than crunchy only because the wife doesn't like the crunchy kind. But, uh, really if, if I had to make a choice and only have one, I, I, I like the crunchy to be honest. Yes. Ooh. Get a round of applause for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been asking this every week and other than myself, you're the first person who said crunchy. So welcome to team awesome. crunchy. Yeah. I said I was going to keep asking. I said I was going to keep asking until somebody else said crunchy besides me, and we finally got it. I'll be looking for my Team Crunchy t-shirt in the mail then. All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to get some printed up. Uh, people are going to wonder what in the world we're talking about, but we'll know. Right. Yeah. All right, Charles. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. You gave us a ton of great information, and we got to learn a little bit about you uh, in overtime too, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed being on here, guys. Uh, sorry I was fumbling for my thoughts a lot of times there, you know, but uh, at my age, you know, uh, that's to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the same way, and, uh, yeah, it was, you did great. Lots of great information, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Sounds great, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great week. You too. Thanks a lot. Right, thank you, Charles. Take care, Vince. Take care, Shay. Take thank care. You. All right, Vince. Another good show in the books. Yeah, man. Episode six in the books. A fantastic episode. You already gave us our lineup for what we're going to be expecting next week with the uh, Central Gymnastics team uh, head coach and a few players coming to join us. They're going to be fun to talk to. Uh, they'll be interesting to hear what they've got to say. So, yeah, man, it's been a fantastic uh, six episodes. So we'll keep on trucking on here, man. Can't wait to join you here again. Uh, hopefully one of these days I'll be able to finally head on back out to San Angelo to see how everything's going. But for now, I'll just keep enjoying the Concho Valley here from beautiful Central Texas. Yes, sir. You know, we'll be glad to have you back in San Angelo. Hopefully it doesn't take too much longer until things get back to normal and we can all, you know, do what we want to do, watch live sports, cover live sports. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, I'm really excited about next week. So, yeah, tune in next week, everybody, because we are going to have uh, – we're going to be talking – Lakeview Lady, or sorry, Central Lady Cat Gymnastics with Coach Tony Walker, and we're gonna have some of her, some of his players on, some of his gymnasts. So 
we're looking forward to that. And also just want to uh, thank our sponsor, Wingstop, again. Um, you can order wings from them at the Wingstop on Knickerbocker Road in San Angelo at 325-227-6777, wingstop.com, or through the Wingstop app. And also follow us here on social media at Concho Sports. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we also do have a Roku app and an Amazon Fire TV app. So you can, if you have one of those, you can download our app on and watch it on your TV. And I just want to thank everybody for watching, and we'll see you next week.